Carl said he had another part to the series. Uh, I was, uh, as I was preparing uh, for service this Sunday, uh, the funerals were so heavy, uh, I called Brother Phil, and I said, Brother Phil, man, can you please come and preach for me Sunday? I know I'll be back in town, but uh, preparing this sermon is going to take, it's taking everything out of me to get ready for this sermon for my brother's funeral. And so he, what happened? He just got dark. Oh, we all right? That made me nervous. <laughs> but, uh, and he said he would come, and I am so honored that he come. And so I did, for, th- for those who don't know, and, uh, and I feel so bad for Lynetta, because every time she comes, you don't get to hear me. I know it, Lynetta. Lord going to work it next week, I promise you. Uh, but Phil, for those who do not know who Phil Carr is, Phil Carr is, um, he's the church plant uh, coach for all the church planters in all the Great Lakes where he worked with all the church plants. I'm no, we're no longer a church plant, but he's still my coach. Uh, so he coaches me in leadership training, leadership development, and all that. So we uh, communicate a lot, and he's by my side. And he's one of the people I really, really trust. And he's a dynamic, dynamic preacher. And so I asked him, uh, would he please come and help me out this week? I know he came last week, uh, but I, you know, I told him to talk to you know, and make, he's, he said, yes, right away, right Right away, so I'm glad. So you guys are going to be blessed. For those who have not, raise your hand if you never heard him before. But brace yourself, he is for real good. Amen. Brother Phil Carr, Pastor Phil Carr. Amen. Want to uh, thank Pastor Arthur for those uh, kind words. And uh, Kingdom Embassy is like a, a second home. So for uh, me and my wife. I haven't kept count, but I think this will probably be maybe the sixth or seventh time. So, uh, so I feel like I'm at home, amen. And so, uh, uh, just thankful for the opportunity. It's always uh, refreshing uh, to uh, come to Kingdom Embassy. Uh, most of you uh, don't know because you're not familiar with the Great Lakes uh, Conference, but Kingdom Embassy is one of the very best churches in the entire conference. And so Kingdom Embassy is a huge blessing. I want to also uh, uh, just thank God for my wife, uh, Minister Cynthia Carr, who uh, led the family prayer. As you can see, she's a firecracker (laughs) for the Lord, amen. And so we thank God for uh, her giftedness and anointing and the way that God uses her. And so uh, let's uh, open with a word of prayer and then we'll get right into what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us today. How many of you know we need a word from the Lord? Yes, we do. We need a word from the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to gather as the people called Kingdom Embassy. And we thank you for all that has transpired thus far. We thank you for that uh, passionate and pure worship and praise, oh God. And we just thank you uh, for this opportunity to gather in this place. Our prayer, oh God, is that none of us will leave here the same way that we have come. So glad that last night wasn't our last night. Today is a new day. Another opportunity to evangelize the lost, uh, 
to enjoy life and to glorify you, our great God. Holy Spirit, be the great teacher in our midst. And we pray as usual, O God, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Allow the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray and let the people of God say amen and amen. Well, as, the, uh, uh, as is reflected on the screen, uh, the last three times I've been here, I've been on the same topic and theme, and that's trusting in God. And so I gave it the title, Building a Strong Foundation of Trust in God. And the subtitle there is Developing, get this now, a high-level, all-in trust in God. And so that's what we're taking a look at. That text, as some of you may know, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways. And he'll do what? How many of you know that's some good life advice, right? And so that is the theme for the text. Next slide. And so uh, as it relates to uh, this particular uh, series, I, I just want to recap the series uh, really quickly, and then we'll get into uh, today's offering. And here's the idea with this particular series. The answer to dealing with the challenging times in which we live is trusting in God with all your heart, right? A lot of stuff going on in this world, uh, in your personal life, a lot of madness. And uh, sometimes we find ourselves asking God the question, or even asking ourselves the question, what are we going to do? Lord, what can I do with my situation to make it better? Get this, to make it make sense. How many of you would just like life to make some sense? What can I do, right? And the answer from God is the same every time. I need you to trust in me. Get this, not with a part of your heart, not with most of your heart, but what? With all of it. That's the answer. That's the solution. We got a tragic war still going on in Ukraine. And every time we look, look up, we hear about another mass shooting that makes absolutely no sense. You know, we hear about uh, children losing their lives tragically. Again, the list goes on and on and on. But guess what? The answer every time is still the same. Trust in God with all your heart. And so here's the thing. That's easier said than done, is it not? Yeah, if it was easy, we all would have done it. Uh, but here's the other thing. It can be done with God's help. And so we just got to learn and we got to figure out uh, how to get it done. And so when we talk about trusting in God with all our heart, again, as you can see on the screen, we use trust as an acronym. That means totally relying upon scriptural truth. That's what it means. At the end of the day, you got to get to your place in your relationship with God. Hopefully you got one. Where if the Bible says it, you believe it. At the end of the day, you got to totally, not partially, but totally rely upon scriptural truth. What the Bible says, not 
social truth, not scientific truth, not self-truth, but what? Scriptural truth. And so how do you learn how to do that? That's what we're going to address in this series. We're going to help you to, if you will, go to the next level in your trust in the Lord. Next slide. And so from my perspective, I see five things at work if we're going to take our trust to the next level. Anybody want to take your trust to the next level, right? You want to, want to do a better job at trusting in God because if you were to be honest, you don't always do so well, do you? And, and even for those of you who think you baby Jesus, you know, Jesus Jr., you know, some of us think we Jesus Jr., you know, we think we walk on water, right? Even for you, guess what? You can do better. You can go higher. And you can be great. There's room for improvement for all of us, including me. Amen? Including me. And so if we're going to do that, again, I use trust uh, as an acronym. And last time I were together, I gave you the T. That was true thankfulness. I mean, you remember that. It was just last week. If you're going to trust in God with all your heart, it's going to take true thankfulness. You're going to have to be truly thankful for who God is and what God has done to trust him. One of the prepositions that I put forth last week was, I learned as a parent that my children trusted me more when they were thankful for me. And that when they were not thankful for me, they didn't trust me as much. Now the truth is, is they should have been thankful for me. But we don't always do what we should do. And so that's what we talked about on last week. This week I want to cover in this whole acronym, these are the builders of trust. I want to cover the R, and that's righteous reasoning. Next slide. And so here's what we want to consider today. Developing righteous reasoning. How do you do that? How do you develop righteous reasoning? The idea with a reasoning is your way of thinking. The way that you think gets in the way of your trust in the Lord. And if you're going to do better in trusting God, you got to do better in how you think. Does that make sense? And so we want to talk about today uh, what that entails and how one does that. Let's look real quickly just at a few verses next slide here along that line of righteous reasoning. I love Isaiah 1 and 18. It says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. This is what God is saying to you even today. God is saying, enter into my presence and let us reason together. Let's have some dialogue. Let's have some conversation. Because if you do that, I'll help you to straighten out some of your stinking thinking as it relates to your marriage. See, one, one of the reasons why some of us aren't doing as well as we should is because we're not trusting God. The reason that we're not doing it is because our reasoning is not righteous. Does that make sense? As a parent, if you want to do better, you got to have righteous reasoning, right? And so God says, come now, let us reason together. I'll help you to straighten your thinking out. See, one of the reasons why many of us got stinking thinking, it hasn't been corrected, is because we're just going through life. We're not getting in the presence of the Lord, and so we're not getting conversation from God. Let me tell you, you get in God's presence, I mean, you know, he'll straighten you out real quick. He'll straighten you out real quick. Some of us think we're the best things since sliced bread. We think we're throwing down in Jesus' name. But get in the presence of the Lord and he'll show you some stuff 
to work on. I love Proverbs 23 and 7 on this thought of uh, the mind of Christ or the way that you think. It says this, this is huge. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So now let's apply it to our subject matter, trusting in God. You say, well, why do I struggle or why do I excel at trusting in God? One of the big things is the way that you think because as you think it in your heart about trusting God, so are you. That's what you will be and that's what you will do. You know, some of the nutritionists, they say about a diet that we are what we eat. The biblicists, if you will, they say about trusting God, you are what you think. And so for many of us, here's our biggest battle when it comes to trusting God, is the battlefield of the mind. And we got to get our mind right. And so if you're going to get your trust in God right, you got to get your mind right. Now here's what most of us think. We think, well, my mind is what it is. There's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing further from the truth. See, the thoughts that you have about God and about life are the product of what you have nurtured, of what you have read, and what you have watched, and, uh, and so forth and so on. And that's why the Bible says this. The Bible says, here's what I encourage you to do. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so you can't allow your thinking to be this. Here's the word, automated. Right? Some of you, your thinking is automated. In other words, whatever comes up in your mind, that's what you think on. No, you need to go from automated thinking to anointed thinking. See, automated thinking is based on your flesh. Anointed thinking is based on your faith. And at some point, you got to allow your faith in Christ, your belief in the Bible, to saturate your mind so that what? Your thinking begins to change, and the next thing you know, you look up, and you're thinking, I I'm going to love my enemy. You're like, wait a minute, where did that come from? Right? That came from the fact that you're allowing God to have his way in you. You, you ever had one of those moments where you had a thought, and it was so good, it impressed you. You going, you went, wow. <laughs> That's a good thought. <laughs> That's what happened when we allow God to have his way in our mind. When we put on the mind of Christ and when we begin to do battle. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 4 and 8 there, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think on those things. And all that other stuff, you got to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You ever have some thought come up in your mind, you know, somebody uh, giving you the business and hating on you, and you thinking, I, I want to kill them. Right? I'm going to knock them out, and I'm going to lay hands on them, and, and gee, I'm going to give them the right foot of fellowship. That's what you really want to do, and you got to rebuke that in Jesus' name. You got to say, you know what? That's not what God is all about. And so I'm not going to entertain those thoughts. In fact, I'm going to say, now, Phil, come on now, Phil. Come on now, Phil. We can't be thinking like that. Because if you don't challenge that thought, it's going to manifest. It's going to materialize. 
You're going to look up, you're going to bend to cuss somebody out, embarrass the faith and the whole family, all because you didn't what? You didn't control your thinking. Next slide. So that's what we want to talk about today because this thing is connected to our trust in God. How you think is going to determine whether you do or don't trust God with all your heart. If you don't get your mind right, you're not going to get your trust right. And how many of you want to trust God? How many say he's worthy? He's proven himself, right? He's faithful. He's forever faithful. And here's the thing. Some of you have figured out that when you trust God, things tend to go better. Then why don't you do it? Because you haven't learned how, right? And so we're going to talk about how to do it. All right. Let's start with the background. Just like last week, I'm going to give you the background. I'm going to give you some barriers that you need to overcome, and then I'm going to give you some deals. Does that make sense? So let's start. A few things about the background of righteous reason. Number one there on your slide, there are three types of reasoning that you can operate in at any given moment. Three types of reasoning. Three types of ways of thinking that we as human beings can operate in in any given moment. And here's the thing. You got to pay attention, folks. You got to pay attention to your thoughts so that you can take them captive, so that you can be proactive. You got to pay attention. Sometimes you're thinking it's so bad, get this, you need to stay home. Because <laughs> you're going to hurt somebody the way you're currently thinking. You probably just need to stay home today. Don't get out of the bed. Sometimes your thinking can be that bad, right? But there's three types of thinking. And, and, and it's real interesting because the book of Job and the story of Job is a good case study of the type of thinking we can have and how it impacts, get this out, trusting God, right? So there's rotten thinking. That's Mrs. Job. I hate to pick on Mrs. Job, but, you know, her thinking was rotten. She told Job, why don't you curse God and die? I mean, you know, that's some terrible thinking. God has been faithful, and you like telling your husband, curse God and die. Basically, she was saying, this whole God thing is not worth it, right? That's right in thinking. That's what some of us have. Then number two, there's regular thinking. That's Job's friends, right? How many, some of you, some of you may not know the story of Job, but some of you know it, right? Job was doing well. He was wealthy. The devil had his way. He lost his children. He lost his wealth. He lost everything. And his wife said, curse God and die, because her thinking was rotten. His friends had regular thinking, right? Their whole thing was, well, Job's going through all of this. He must do something wrong. Anybody ever did that with you? They assuming just because you lost your job. See, I told you they wasn't as godly as they like to say they was. They must have did something wrong. That's regular thinking, right? If you're going through, you did something wrong. That's because people don't know the Bible or they haven't embraced the Bible which says, count it all joy. When you go through diving temptations, because the testing of your faith is producing something, and make no mistake about it, when God wants to take you to the next level, he's generally going to take you through something. He's going to make you earn it. Well, I tell you, one of the things you may not want to pray is, Lord, help me to grow. <laughs> Pastor Arthur, if they pray that, then expect some stuff to come. Expect the devil to get busy because you just pray, Lord, I want to be a faithful servant and I want to do some stuff. And now God trying to get you there and now you're trying to rebuke 
God calling him the devil. <laughs> you know how we like to blame stuff on the devil. And I bet God be going, oh boy, they, ju they just don't get it. They don't get it, right? But here's, here's my point. Job's friends figured he did something. They had regular thinking. You can't be a Christian and have regular thinking. This is not a regular call. We don't serve a regular God. And so don't just assume with common sense like Job's friend did, but we got to be like Job who had righteous thinking, righteous thinking. Key observation number two. Here's the second thing I want to know. The biggest key to righteous think, uh, reasoning is putting on the mind of Christ and the helmet of salvation. I don't even know if most Christians think that way. We, we, let, let me be honest. We don't. When's the last time you thought, I want to put on the mind of Christ? We don't. You know what most of us think? We, we're really impressed with our own mind. You know, I like my truth. I, I, I like the way I think. And we're, all, we're always trying to push our thinking on people, aren't we? You, you, you got coworkers that way? I know you got family members that way, right? Oh, boy, they think they sharp. They think they smart. Let me give you some advice they like to say, right? And what we like to do is put on the mind of self, but we got to put on the mind of Christ. We got to put on the helmet of salvation, right? If we're going to think righteously. Here's the third observation I want to make. Again, just a few introductory comments here. Key observation number three. Some people allow tough and traumatic experiences to diminish or destroy their righteous reason. You know, some of us get to a place in our relationship with God where we're doing pretty decent, right, with our thinking. And then trouble comes, and trauma comes. And like Mrs. Job, we're ready to abandon our faith. Some of us spiral into a, just a bad relationship with God because our mother died. You know, we lost a job and we couldn't afford to lose a job. We were stricken with an illness. And we allow that to cause us to diminish and to destroy our faith in God and our trust in God. And then it's like we get amnesia. All that stuff God done done for you. Come on now. This is the time. You know what you really believe about God during tough and traumatic times. Not during the good times and the best times. That's when it shows what you're really made of. Are you with me? When times get tough, that's when you know what you're really made of. That's when you're able to even impress your heavenly father. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. This is my beloved son and daughter in them. I'm well pleased. Because in spite of the fact that you got people going after you and you haven't even done anything wrong, you still got a smile on your face. You're still trusting God. Get this, you're still treating people. One of the clear signs that you don't trust God is when you go after I have a two for two. You know, when you spiral into that, if you come after me, I'm coming after you. When you go BC on people before Christ, anybody ever gone BC? You have to catch yourself. You got to say, well, wait a minute now. I'm not slashing tires anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm not threatening people. I, I live a different kind of life now. I live a life where I believe in the Bible and where I trust in God during the good times in the bad times. And that's how you know you trust God. They can threaten you, but you're not shaking in your boots. Get this, because you know that God has the last word. 
Promotion don't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. Even though you got a boss who don't know God, if God wants you to have that promotion, all God got, all God got to do, get this, is just speak the word. Do you know people all the time doing stuff they wasn't planning on doing? They don't know why they did it. I'm going to tell you why they did it. Because God told them to do it. And can't nobody resist the power of God and the plan of God. And here's what we got to do. We got to trust that if I don't get that job, God don't want me to have it. Right? We got to trust God. We got to trust God. Say, so we got to trust God. All right, next slide, next slide. Real quickly, let me hit the barrier, the barrier, the barrier. Barrier number one is your choice. If you're going to do righteous reasoning, you've got to stop being impressed with your own truth, your own thoughts, your own way of thinking, right? You've got to stop being impressed with that. Don't get me wrong. We appreciate you and all. But it's God's truth that we're concerned with. It's God's truth that you should be concerned with. And that's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and, and don't what? Lean to your own understanding. That's a, that's a phrase that speaks to your truth. Don't lean. You say, well, I wasn't raised that way. You say, well, that's not me. That's not my truth, right? Well, that's one of the barriers to trusting in God because you keep leading to your own understanding. Let me help you out today. Let me help you out today. Pastor Phil Carr, I'm going to help you out. Most times you don't even know what you're talking about. Let me help you out. Guess what? That's me too. Most times we don't know what we're talking about, right? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways, his thoughts, Isaiah says, is higher than ours. And that's why I have to develop the habit of pushing past, get this, what I think, into the realm of God, what do you think? And if I ask God, what does he think? You want to know what he's going to tell me? Hey, how about you read my word? <laughs> I, I, I got 66 books that I outline for you. How about you read those on a regular basis? And so the first barrier is our truth. See, Job's friends were relying on their truth, what they understood. Here's the second barrier to righteousness. I'm talking about why is it that we struggle thinking the right way? Our truth, number one. Number two, our carnality. Our carnality is an unspiritual and ungodly way of viewing and doing things. It's a worldly way of thinking and feeling and doing things. Our carnality. I'm feeling a certain kind of way. Well, I don't feel like that is right, right? You know how much stuff we feel is wrong that is actually right? Well, but here's what most of us think. Because I don't feel like it's right, it's not right. As if I'm God. Right? You can't trust your feelings. Your feelings will get you in trouble more often than not. Your feeling most times is tied to your flesh and not your faith. Now, if your feelings are flowing from your faith, praise God. You can trust those feelings if you're basing them on a true understanding of the word of God. But you can't just be running around, you know, and I don't feel, I'm not feeling that. You know, don't we like to say, I'm not feeling that. Well, what does God feel? What is God saying, right? 
And so our carnality, we got it got David in trouble. Many times it's carnality. It gets us in trouble. And then number three is interesting. Let me, let me, let me just let me just mention number three is interesting. Our mental ills. So one of the reasons why we don't think we have righteous reason is let's be honest. Some of us we got mental issues. We really do. You know, our thinking is off. It's not right. You know, some of us, we have one of those minds that's moving really quick and we're being just barraged just with all kind of thoughts and, you know, and they don't like me and they don't want me to have this and just all kind of thoughts. And we got mental issues that we need to recognize, we need to address in Jesus' name with God's help. Some of us are bipolar. You know, that's a condition. It's a real thing, but some of us, we got an extra uh, dose of bipolar. We're tripolar, you know. Uh, some of us have depression issues, right? We got those types of things. Here's the thing. The issues are real, but God is real too. And God can help you to rise above your mental issues, but you got to acknowledge them. You got to acknowledge them. Uh, Elijah, some of you remember the prophet Elijah, the great prophet of the Old Testament. And you remember his juniper tree? Some of you remember that story, right? Uh, uh, Elijah did battle with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he defeated them all in God's name. Very high point for him. Praise God. Look at the great prophet. And then shortly after that, Jezebel, the queen at that time, threatened to take the life of Elijah. Now, Elijah just defeated all her prophets. He should have been, bring it on. But somehow, he had a bad mental moment. He forgot who God is. Let me tell you something. One of the best things you can do when you're having a bad mental moment. Hey, we all have bad mental moments. One of the best things you can do is zero in on God. Read your Bible. Remind yourself who God is. Have a little talk with Jesus. Lord, touch my mind. Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, help me in my thinking in this moment because my mind is not working right. That's the best thing that you can do. But Elijah, get this, did what many of us do. He just reacted. He reacted. Next thing you know, he was running, the Bible says, through the desert, talking about, Lord, take my life. He sat down under a juniper tree. He's ready to commit suicide. He's ready to give it all up. And get this, if God didn't send an angel, I mean, you say, that's my story. I had a moment where I lost my mind and God sent an angel. God intervened for me. God is just waiting on you to call on his name when you're having one of those bad mental moments, emotional moments, and your feeling is, feelings are all out of control. God is saying, call on me. Call on me. All right, all right, my time is almost up. Let's go to the next slide. And let me give you some builders, some practical things that we can do. Again, what will get in your way? Your truth, your carnality, and your mental illness. But guess what? There's an answer to all that stuff. There's an answer. Here's the, thing, here's the things we need, though, to, to, to go to the next level in our righteous reasoning and as a result in our trust in God. Again, here's what I'm saying today. If you're going to trust in God with all your heart, last week you need to be truly thankful. But this week, you've got to get your mind right. You know, some of us are thankful, but our mind isn't right. And so here's the three things really quickly. Number one, biblical research. 
We should regularly expose ourselves to the truths of God's word. We must research and reflect wisely on God's word. Don't just read it, but what? Research it. Research it. And some of us don't spend enough time in the word of God. Let's just be honest. We don't spend enough time. We're not reading our Bibles enough. John 8, 31 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Right? David says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so that's the answer. You want to change the way that you think? God's word, if you get into his word, it will reconstruct your mind and your patterns of thinking and the way that you think. You need to read it and you need to believe it. Now, you got to do more than read it. You got to believe it. But it takes, number one, biblical research. Number two, righteous reason is the result of what I call balanced reflection. Get this. What does the whole Bible has to say about a particular matter? What is the big picture of the whole truth on a particular thing? See, some of us, we get a little verse and we just run with it. One verse, all out of context. I'm claiming that in Jesus. Now, I decree and I declare that that is so for me. Well, that ain't really the truth. See, you need balance with you got to read all 66 books you got to look at everything that the bible says and you got to bring it all together so that you have a balanced perspective of what the word says some people have uh, for example grab verses that says uh, whatever you ask in jesus name you shall receive and so then they run away saying well all i got to do is ask for a million dollars in jesus name and i'll receive it all I got to do is ask for that guy right there for marriage and Jesus. Now, I, no, no, because there's other verses that when you put it all together, it says the whole truth is whatever you ask according to his will. Not just in his name. Yeah, you got to ask in his name, but when you read some of those other verses and you pull it all together and you get the complete picture because of balanced reflection, you know that one of the most important things about receiving answers to your prayer is, is it the will of God? Is it the will of God? Not just in his name, but whatever you ask in his, is it in his will, in his name, then you will receive it. Does that make sense? And that's how we get to righteous reasoning because we got to have balanced reflection. We can't take something out of context and take something and run with it. Well, that's what the Bible says, but what does it mean? What does it mean? And then finally, finally, Biblical research, balance, reflection. I love this last one. I call this brave repentance. We should acknowledge and adjust our erroneous thinking, get this, immediately. It takes a brave person to admit when and where they are wrong. If we're going to have righteous reason, we got to get to the place where we're willing to be brave enough to say, you know what, call somebody up and say, you know what, I was wrong on that. I repent. Please forgive me. And that's how you get your thinking right. A part of it is understanding you're not always right. I'm not always right. In fact, here's an interesting question. What percentage of the time do you think you are right? Right? Some of y'all say, ah, I'm at least 95%. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're under 50%. <laughs> the best of us are at 50%. 
right? Half of the time we write because you're not God and I'm not God and we don't see everything and we got a fallen nature and we're doing our best with God's assistance. So just be ready to repent. First John, first John 1 and 9, right? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and what? To cleanse you from all unrighteousness so that you can get your thinking right. A part of the reason, here's my point, a part of the reason why some of us don't have our thinking right is because we're messed up in our thinking and we're not acknowledging it. We're not repenting of it so that God can what? Correct it by his spirit. But you've got to be willing to do like David. I think it was Psalm 51 when David said, uh, as it relates to the situation with Bathsheba and Uriah and he slept with another man's woman had the man killed and he was running and lying like many of us acting like he didn't do it and then he got uh, he got confronted and then finally he said Lord create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me or and restore unto me the joy of my salvation and that's how we get our mind right is that we got to be brave enough to move past your ego right and to admit when you're wrong. Parents, you know how much currency you can gain with your children if you just admit when you're wrong? I'm telling you, my whole childhood, my parents never did nothing wrong, according to them. They didn't acknowledge anything. But here's the thing, Pastor Art said it earlier, he, he gonna do some stuff wrong, I'm gonna do some stuff wrong, and so are you. And the answer is repentance in Jesus' name. And so as we close on today, as we close, say, Lord, help me get my mind right so that I can trust in you. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Everybody say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Thank you, uh, Pastor Phil, for those powerful, powerful words. The, the, the biggest challenge, everybody stand to your feet, the biggest challenge um, in every situation, every situation, the biggest challenge is trusting God. I don't care what's going on in your marriage, I don't care what's going on in your job, I don't care what's happening in your neighborhood. I don't care what's going on in your family. The biggest challenge is trusting the word of God. If you trust the word of God, everything will work itself out. And he give us in his word how to do it. And, and Pastor Phil says something very powerful. Uh, we have to know what the word says about it. A lot of us get angry and we get bent out of shape and, and we want to blame others. But the bottom line is if you're honest, and truthful, right? You know that you're not following the word. You, you know in your heart. You can tell your girlfriend, you can tell your boyfriend, but the bottom line is, I don't care what God said. I'm sick and tired of this. You know, I'm sick and tired of this. This, this is this is going. I'm done with it. I'm walking away. So you leave situation. You walk away from your job, or you walk away from your family, or you lose a best friend, all because you know what the word of God says, and you refuse to trust it. If you trust it, 
because God, watch this, he specializes in relationships. That's his specialty. So if you trust his word, he's going to make the relationship work, even though it looks like it won't work. Trust the word of God. Amen? Amen. Well, if you want to trust God, the, the only way you can do it is you got to have a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you have not given your heart to him, I mean, really given your life to him, I want you to hear me. It's hard to trust God when I don't really give my life to him. This is an opportunity for you to make a commitment, one of the most important commitments of your life. You're going to give your life to God. If you don't know God, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Today is the day that you make that choice and you make him the Lord of your life. Let us bow our heads. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you Say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord, you have promised that if I believe in your son Jesus, everything I've ever done, wrong or right, will be forgiven. I will learn the purpose of my life, and you will accept me into your eternal home. Lord, I'm accepting today your son Jesus Christ into my heart. I know that he's everything that I need. So please, Lord, today make me love you like I'm supposed to. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for those who made a commitment today. You know their spirit, Lord. And we ask you, don't let the enemy come in and rip away this commitment that they made to you, trusting in you. The wrong and the right. We commit our life to you. We accept you into our heart. And today is our birthday. We remember this day. 12th day of February, 2023, is the day we gave our life to you. For those who have already saved, I'm asking you to rededicate your life if you have not been truly following Christ like you're supposed to. Rededicate your life today. We thank you for loving God. The evidence of it would be in your relationship with people. Show people that you've accepted Christ. Show people that you rededicated your life by loving them and caring for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The altar is going to be open for those who want to come up for prayer.
For those who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to fill out a card because I want to reach out to you this week and have a conversation with you. Or even if you rededicated your life and you made that commitment, just take a few seconds and take one of the cards and just write your name on it. Just put rededicate and put your phone number so I can call you. I want to walk with you in this process. This time is a time of giving. Everybody say giving. Serve the Lord by giving your tithe and your offering as much as lies within you. I'm asking you to make that commitment. We can't do work without you. Lord, bless the offering. Bless all of those who are trusting you in their giving. You blessed us financially, some of us like we've never been blessed in our life. Lord, let us trust you in our giving like, you, like we trust you with our life. And Lord, don't let anyone lack in their giving. We praise you and magnify you for this offering that's going to be used for the upbuilding of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can give online. You can give via uh, cash app or go through our website. You can write a check and put it in the box on the way out. Uh, don't give me any money. Your first time guest, don't say I'm gonna get off into you, but give according to how God's bless you, but give it via the church through the box online. Lord, as we leave this place, never your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for being.